Architecture is about trying to create a certain experience. Every building that has any kind of design whatsoever, which is pretty much anything except for a plywood shed, has some intention, or, the, or at least the, the artist, the architect, had some intention. They wanted you to have some experience of that building. Looking at a building is like trying to read the architect's intention in what they designed. So think about a skyscraper, you know, big big glass skyscraper in a downtown area, or even if you're here in Enid, our, uh, our really honestly beautiful uh, older stone towers. They're not skyscrapers, but they're, you know, that intention. They are big and tall and imposing and meant to evoke power. So you're supposed to see that big building with the name on top of it and go, ah, yes, this must be a powerful company. I can tell because of the size of their tower. Or look at maybe a, a very ornately decorated mansion with, with vast gardens and fountains and things like that. When you approach that, that mansion, you're supposed to think, oh, somebody wealthy lives here. Somebody important lives here. That's at least part of the point of all that decoration so that visitors and even the person themselves gets a sense of, ah, yes, this is an important place to be. Or maybe your home is one that has lots of, lots of maybe detailed woodwork around the windows and doors, maybe has uh, handmade furniture. And that's because if that's your home, you probably value the work of human hands. You value things that are made by hand that require time and effort to be made. So the fact that your house has those things speak to that. That's what you care about. You want, you want to be reminded of the value of labor. Or maybe your house is, you know, maybe kind of low slung, uh, maybe not a lot of not a lot of open spaces. Maybe has uh, maybe a nice brick exterior. It feels comfortable and and secure and cozy. When when you come home, you feel you feel safe and you know, like like a security blanket. Um, you know, the home speaks to that that sense of of comfort and and you know an inner space. Or maybe you've got a more open plan house that's kind of. Uh, free and, and airy and lots of windows and lots of light coming in uh, because you like the way that it makes you feel you know, free and relaxed and like you're not constrained. So all of these different kinds of architecture, of course there are many more, they all speak to some intention, some purpose. In the second reading today, we hear from the book of Revelation about the description of the temple. And it has... Well, first off, the whole thing shines like a jewel. The whole thing, it just has its own inner brightness that comes from the presence of God. And then it has, we hear, 12 gates and 12 courses of stone. So what can we infer from all of this? If God is the divine architect, the, the architect of the city of God, for sure, and architecture speaks to a purpose, what is the purpose that God is speaking to with this design of the city of God? Well, first, it's it's natural brightness that... Uh, he is the light of the city, right? That's it says it right there in the text that this brightness comes from. It doesn't need it doesn't need lamps or light or the sun or the moon because it is its own light because God is present within it. So that that's a very obvious one. Uh, but also look at the twelve gates. Gates are where how you control what goes on in the city. What who goes who goes in and who who comes in and who goes out. And so having twelve gates that are very large and topped by angels. These are very important gates, so lots of important work happens in the city, and it's very powerful controlling who goes in, who comes in, and who goes out. It has 12 courses of stones. 
Now, these 12 courses of stones don't make for a low wall. This, this is no uh, you know, stone hut out in the woods somewhere. This is, we might imagine, a big castle, a big fortress. This is a big place. 12 courses of stones piled very high. And of course, all of them uh, covered in jewels, glowing like a, ju- like a gem themselves. So what can we infer from this architectural description of the city of God? Of course, that it is powerful and wealthy. The big walls, the big gates, the glow, they give us all that, the beauty of it. But it is also stable and strong, safe and secure. But also, I, ra- I think it's also meant to be open and wide and, and you know it has this light everywhere. So it's not just uh, closed off and cozy, but it's also um, wide and free and, and this uh, expansive space as well as being secure behind these large, large walls. So this is the picture that God is painting. This is, this is what he wants us to, to know about the city of God. He wants us to understand that it is safe and secure and strong and powerful. And what I want to focus on especially is the stability, the safety, the security, because I think that is what we are most in need of. We Christians, of course, need it, but I also mean the world in general. You know, I look around and we see lots of people, you know, just read the news, uh, who are, there's lots of anxiety and desperation out there. And you can see it in uh, basically all of the vices that go on and people uh, doing all kinds of weird crap with their lives because everyone's looking for some place that belongs, some place that some place of security, some place that is that is home, a place of rest. They want they want a purpose. They want to know where they belong. Now, often they fall into um, you know drugs and alcohol, or weird you know cult like groups, or terrorist groups, or racist groups, or all sorts of there. There are a thousand negative things that people can fall into when they try and find the good thing that they're you know because we're all we're all made to rest in God. We're all made to to feel safety and comfort and security. But what's happened is that the world has become more and more secularized, has said, no, 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 we don't need God. We don't need that. We don't need religion. But what that actually means is uh, people have been driven away from the very source of their safety, security, and comfort. You know, the city of God, the, the community of the church, heaven, depending on which you know, sort of state and, state and time we're talking about, is meant to be the place of comfort and security and safety, the place where you understand your purpose, the place where you feel at home. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what you know. God designed the temple, the city of God to be, is our, pl- our, our place of refuge, our safety. And so uh, I see in the world of sort of desperate faces, uh, clamoring for all sorts of things, often jumping on the bandwagon of uh, really unhealthy attitudes and really unhealthy habits, is that everyone is looking for that place of comfort, that place of contentment. And so as the church, we ought to be very bold to offer that, to proclaim what it is that we have and to share it with the world. Because of course, Christ means for everyone to be a member of his church. He means everyone to be at home in the Father's house, everyone to live in the city of God. Now, why would anybody reject that? Well, what has happened is that it's become the thing to reject authority, to, to carve your own path. And again, as I said, that leads to actually running away from the thing that provides the safety and security. But we shouldn't be afraid of authority because it's, it's been given to us by Christ for our own happiness. Now, again, sort of modernity bucks at that. It says, well, no, no, I can't be happy if I'm under authority. 
But no, we, we need, if we're honest, we need authority. I mean, imagine uh, a room full of 25-year-olds and there is no authority put on them at all. This do whatever you want, do whatever you feel like. Well, the house is going to be on fire in about five minutes because it doesn't work like that. That's not how human nature, we need direction, we need boundaries. And so the church gives us those healthy boundaries through her authority passed down from the apostles. Jesus says that he's going to send the Holy Spirit to the apostles to remind them of all his teachings and to teach them everything. And we see this lived out in the first reading today where they have this question about circumcision and they confer with the apostles and the elders to figure out what to do. And the apostles and the elders make a decision and pass it on to the churches. And it's accepted by everybody for their own good, for their own happiness. They say, don't do pagan stuff and don't have unhealthy relationships. Don't have unlawful, unlawful marriages. And that's for their own good. I said, if you do these things, you will be doing well. And so the authority of the apostles given them by the Holy Spirit, given through Christ, is what leads to happiness, what leads to this safety within the understanding of the church. So I think this image of the city of God can be very helpful to us to remember that these walls, these big walls, which are, remember, have the names of the 12 apostles on them. So the city of God, who is, which is our safety and security, our, our home place where we know our purpose, is built on the foundation stones of the apostles. The apostles who are not mythical creatures, not mythical characters, but are real people who walk with Jesus, whose tombs we can visit to this day, who passed down their teaching that they got from Christ for our own happiness. These are the apostles in whom we can trust, in who, who, who have given us the Catholic faith, and in the faith that they teach in the church, which is in the city, which is the city of God, there we find our true safety, our true happiness, and our true and eternal home. 